The power of story has fascinated us throughout the ages. Way back in history, we were sitting around fires telling stories that not only captured the imagination, but were used as metaphors and taught us many, many lessons. In this week's episode of the Choosing Happy podcast, I had the greatest pleasure of talking with Jackie Wilson, who went from journalist to passionate about the power of storytelling in a business context. She explains her journey to discovering story and how to use story in your business and your life. All of this and so much more in this week's Choosing Happy podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's Choosing Happy podcast. I'm Heather Masters and this week I have the pleasure of chatting with Jackie Wilson. Jackie is a journalist by background who now works with the power of storytelling in a business context and she uses that to empower her clients and everybody else and she uses story to create a more entertaining content landscape. Welcome, Jackie. It's lovely to have you here. Hi, Heather. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you. Can you begin by sharing a bit about yourself and your journey to uncovering the power of storytelling? Uh, It was really um, something that I sort of stumbled across. So anybody, um, it's, it's talked about a lot at the moment in the context of business marketing. Um, Or maybe I just get the impression that it's talked about a lot because my algorithms are chucking it at me. I don't know. (laughs) But I do get the impression that people are talking about it more and more. Um, I have been basically a storyteller my entire professional career. My background is journalism. And as a journalist, that was what I did. I told stories. Um, and I've always thoroughly enjoyed the whole nosy bit about being a journalist. So ferreting out, you know, the, 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 the sort of the whys and the wherefores, the background, the deeper aspects that weren't immediately obvious on the surface, all that kind of thing, you know, going beneath the surface and having a look at sort of, you know, what's behind, what's, uh, what people's motivations might be what the real reason for a certain situation or circumstances might be, all this kind of thing. Um, But of course, that's not the only thing that storytelling is about. The other thing that I found when I um, came across this was that um, stories have a really fascinating history and um, it's that really, it's, how long stories have been around in our psyche, our collective psyche, that makes them so powerful. And I started looking into this in the context of a workshop that I was doing for a business accelerator that I was part of. And I started researching it a little bit more and digging a little bit deeper. Um, I call myself a recovering journalist because it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter, you know, copy and copywriting and content marketing can get the 
uh, can sometimes sort of have the reputation of being a bit superficial. And I just don't do superficial. I can't do superficial. I always have to sort of delve into the sort of reasons and the, the sort of have a, a, a closer look in more detail. And and I was delving into the idea of storytelling as a business tool. And I thought, oh, let's have a look at sort of the um, the history of storytelling and the shape of storytelling as a science. And I'd done a little bit about it in my university days um, in connection with children's stories, actually, mainly. And, um, and I just discovered just some amazing stuff, you know, about um, the, the sort of the, the, the templates, the, the archetypes that govern storytelling, the, um, the way it affects our brains. There's a whole sort of neuroscientific thing around what storytelling does to the human brain which is why it helps us connect. You know, an awful lot of people that sort of talk about storytelling as an amazing business tool, talk about how it helps you connect, how it gives you credibility, how it, um, you know, it, it attracts the people that you really want to talk to because it you know, sort of divulges so much more of you as a person. Um, and that's all true. But if you go a little bit deeper, you discover what's actually behind the reasons why stories do this. So, uh, like I say, I was, um, I just went into um, the whole sort of thing behind and around storytelling as a communication tool. And what I found out was fascinating and interestingly, not just for me, but for the participants of the workshop as well, because what I discovered was when I held the workshop, was that that was really what interested people. That was really what got people enthused. Mm. Of course, they wanted to know about how to use stories if you're a small business and you want to get yourself out there in a bigger way. Um, but the why, the whole sort of, you know, the, the thing about what storytelling does to our psyches, they found that fascinating. And, and mm. people mostly do. And, and it's, just, it's just gone on from there. You know, I, I started doing content marketing. I sort of gradually transitioned into into content marketing slightly pre-pandemic uh, because the research and editing work that I was doing for a larger client of mine had sort of tailed away and I wanted something that meant that I didn't have to. I was a media trainer as well and I was traveling a, traveling a lot and it, it just wasn't sitting well with, you know, my kids' needs in school and this kind of thing. So I wanted to do more um, sort of work that I could just do remotely with just my laptop and you know um i uh i started thinking more about content writing and content marketing and um and you know i still do that to a large degree but uh, the storytelling is sort of kind of taking over it's like you know we used to be sort of content marketing was up here and storytelling was a little tiny bit of it and then it's this, the balance gradually shifted, and now people mostly want to hear me talking, uh, hearing hear me talking about storytelling, and uh, and it's become a really great, you know, it's it's meta storytelling because talking about stories is what helps me to communicate with people really effectively. So you said um, earlier that there is something deeper um, now from 
um, because of a trainer in NLP, like the power of metaphor and the power of what works with the unconscious mind around storytelling um, is, is what builds the rapport and, and shifts people and, and can be used in persuasion. Can you go into a little bit more about your experience of that? I can, yes. Um, I don't know much about NLP, although it's something that I've always wanted to look at more closely because, you know, uh, I talk all the time about the power of words. Um, yeah. Words have immense power, huge power. We really don't, we're not sufficiently aware of it, I don't think. Uh, and those, mm. uh, there are many people who use words uh, to great effect. Uh, and and do so mostly unconsciously, just because they have a way with language, the gift of the gab, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, you know, if you know, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, but with stories, it's, yes, it's the power of metaphor. It's the power of description. It's the power of putting both storyteller and audience in a place and time, um, you know, just by just by describing a situation or a person or a dilemma or you know, um, it's I could I'm, I'm, if I ramble here, forgive me, but there's just so much to cover. And I'm just trying to get it into some kind of order in my head before it comes out of my mouth. <laughs> That's fine. Um, it's the words, definitely. But of course, it's also the way you put the words together. It's, you know, it's, um, it's using sort of, it's the force of, of descriptive prose. It's, it's, as you say, it's metaphors. It's um, the shared meaning that certain um sort of uh that certain words phrases uh have for us if we didn't share that meaning it wouldn't work the way it mm. did um for me the really fascinating thing is that um when you look into the brain science this was one of the one of the things that i stumbled across when i was sort of doing a little bit more research there's a great ted talk about this um I, I it doesn't spring to mind immediately the name of the of the of the professor that did it, but um, I can certainly provide you with the link afterwards so that you know okay. that listeners can um, can check it out. There's a great TED talk yep, about the, um, the brain science um, around what happens when a storyteller and their audience shares you know, a story. Um, you can tell people about what you do. You can give them facts. You can tell them, oh, you know, I have this many clients. I have this many followers. I, I sell this many products. Um, that may be great for your sales in the moment, but it's highly unlikely that it's going to stick. And when you look at the brain lighting up, if you did a brain scan of somebody's brain while they were listening to something like this, you would notice that 
just a very small part of the brain lights up. When you tell a story, on the other hand, which may or, you know, which can, can incorporate all those facts very efficiently, a whole larger part of the brain lights up. And the fascinating thing is the same bits of the brain light up for both the storyteller and the audience. So their brains mirror one another. Yeah. Um, so a, a storyteller will give a description of, I don't know, let's say um, footsteps crunching through the frozen surface of snow on a moonlit night and the only other sound being an owl hooting somewhere off in the distance and the crisp cold air carrying every single sound to you and magnifying it, yeah? I can give that, that kind of a description and my audience, my listeners, will experience that at the same time as I do. They will replicate that experience and the same bits of your brain light up. They call it neural coupling between storyteller and listener audience. Yeah. And, uh, and this is what helps to establish that unique connection. And the other thing is, I mentioned before about facts and figures, your audience is several times more likely, I think it's, I don't want to cite a figure because I haven't got it on the tip of my tongue and I don't want to mislead people, but it's, you know, it's by a factor of quite something. It's uh, your audience is several times more likely to remember those facts and figures if they've been couched in a story. And yeah. um, so, you know, that is how story manages to make things, to make you more memorable, more credible, to establish empathy and to open a unique channel of communication, which you can then use how you please. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, all of that is done just with the power of words. It's just words. But look at what they can do. Yes, words are, are so very powerful. And as you say, um, we maybe should, should have more training in how we use words. For sure. For sure. <laughs> so, so how do you, today, how do you use the storytelling in your work? What, what specifically do you do? Do you train or, or do you teach people to write? Or? Um, there's um, two or three ways that I can um, sort of share the, uh, you know, the, 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 the conviction that I have that storytelling is insanely powerful and anybody who leaves it on the table and doesn't, you know, take it and use it in their business or in whatever other context, you know, it might be charities doing fundraising, it might be, you know, uh, organizations doing good works that, you know, you know, uh, organizations that are there to, to help vulnerable people or to help small businesses, uh, whatever your organization, whatever your, the aim of what you do might be, it's crazy to leave storytelling on the table and not use it as a tool. But of course, you know, a lot of people are thinking, well, how do I do that? How do I tell stories? 
Um, and there are two or three ways that I do it. So there's the workshop that I uh, mentioned. Um, it's now in its third iteration. Um, and uh, it's about an hour long, and I deliver that to small groups face-to-face. Um, I haven't got an online version yet, but an online version will be um, available soon. Um, I want to. I do want to sit down and and do a a recorded version that I can make available online because it's um, it gives you a lot of information um, about what you can do um, to use stories to your advantage or to the advantage of your business. Um, obviously, an hour long workshop doesn't go into quite so much depth. I also do. Um, uh, um, I do talks, um, so I'm, you know, I can, I can, um, be hired as a speaker to, um, to give, uh, um, it can be anything from 15 to, you know, 30, 35, 45 minutes long. I can give talks on the, on the issue. I think the punchiest ones and the most effective ones are the shorter ones, because that's how you really, really can concentrate on the on the, the the sort of gems of knowledge that really make it clear to you just how you know how how useful and how powerful storytelling is as a tool. Um, yeah. But what I also do with my clients um, on a one to one basis is I have a program which is called the Week in Stories, and it's a twelve week program, and basically it accompanies uh, the client through twelve weeks of learning to tell their own stories. So um, there'll be an introductory session, which is um, looking at their uh, content um, landscape and their content strategy thus far, which will take a look at, you know, how effective it's been, at maybe the bits that are missing, at what it is that the client wants to do, wants to gain, wants to improve, where they want to grow. And then there'll be weekly sessions where basically... Um, it's it's mainly via a voice messaging app uh, where the client will delve into their own stories for that particular week. Yeah. Um, they'll sort of, you know, they, they have a, a, a sort of, um, what would I call it? Almost like a cheat sheet of what it is that they need to look out for, the kinds of things that they can take a look at, the kinds of things that they can, where they, you know, where they can think, oh, I'm going to stop for a moment and make a note of that because that could be useful later on in the week, kind of thing. And yeah. um, and we will then have a session where we chat about that, we chat about what's come up, we chat about what might be useful in terms of a story uh, or two stories, depending on you know the sort of um, whether it's meant to be sort of more long form content like a blog or a newsletter that they want or whether it's more short form content say something like for a linkedin post or a, you know a social media post something like that how best to highlight it how best to use it and then i will write that content for the client right um so they get one to two pieces of content per week but they also learn how to um look for the stories and how to form the stories, yeah? And then in week three, we have another call. It's usually a Zoom call, face-to-face, -face, where we look at what we've done so far, how far we've come, what we maybe need to tweak, if there's any course corrections needed, 
then we continue with the weekly calls, the weekly discussions, uh, sort of mini conferences, I suppose you could call them. And, and you know, um, the client can send me notes at any time. Yeah. So they yeah. can use me as a sort of jotting, uh, a sort of notebook. They can send me the voice notes and say, oh, this has occurred to me and this has cropped up and I'll make a note of it. And we'll revisit that when we um, when we talk more in detail about what they want to do for that week. Um, and then in week nine, we have another call, um, which will um, probably talk about content strategy per se and yeah. look more in detail at what it is that the client is wanting to do with their stories, whether or not they've revised that. Uh, whether or not there's more that can be done, whether they're happy with the stories that they that are cropping up so far, and then in week twelve, obviously we have sort of a wind up call, and we look, we we sort of check uh, things like follow statistics, engagement of, of their own audience and clients, and so on, and how it may have uh, developed over the twelve weeks, and basically. This means that the client not only gets into the habit of daily, if not, you know, weekly, if not daily, having a, uh, you know, checking for their own stories um, mm. and thinking about what happens in their business and around their business in terms of storytelling and using it as a story to, you know, usually it's to illustrate a point to, you know, we have motifs and we have sort of like, Mottos, you know, like Aesop's fables always had yeah. a motto that came at the end of the story. What have you learned from this story? And that's kind of that kind of learning effect is what we're looking at, mm. at, at uh, garnering. But they've also laid the foundation for a really solid content vault because yes. they've got content there, which they have used and which they can go back to anytime they like, either for inspiration or to refashion into something else. Um, one of the things I often talk to my clients about is using blogs as a basis for an ebook, you know, um, yes. a business book to publish a book at some later stage. Um, yeah. You know, they, I talk a lot about the, the the way we can repurpose content, and uh, and and that's what you then have. You know, if you didn't already have something in that uh, fashion, then you've got the foundation of a really solid contentful um yeah and like i say this program goes over a total of 12 weeks and it's been transformative it really has for clients who've yeah. gone through it with me yeah I, I think with the advent of ai being able to craft your own stories does give you that um humanity if you like you know absolutely um, yeah yeah AI, of course, that isn't related. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because that's all that AI does. AI just regurgitates. We know this, yes. you know. And one way to avoid that, I mean, you know, I don't tell people to steer clear of AI, not by any means. Um, I think AI is another immensely useful tool. You can use it for inspiration. You can use it. You know, I've used AI before to give me. You know, I go to, into, into, say, whichever one I'm using, <clears throat> I'm still experimenting a little bit with it. Mostly I tend to fool around with chat GPT <laughs> if I can get in. And um, 
and I'll say, you know, give me 10 titles but plus subtitles for a series of blogs on such and such. Yeah. And, you know, they'll give me it in a matter of seconds. And then I've, you know, I've got a basis to it. I've got some, I've got some inspiration for themes or subjects or, you know, but um, definitely what you never, ever want to do is to let AI tell your story because they won't. It will not tell your story. And your story is your USP. Your story is what makes you stand out in a very crowded marketplace. And it's important to include those emotions and those experiences um, and use all of the senses really within the story, which is something that AI possibly struggle with. Oh, they really struggle with that. Uh, I mean, I've had some hilarious examples of when I've, you know, been doing something in chat GPT and I've, you know, on the odd occasion, I might have them write an email for me. I'm, I keep saying them. I'm not sure why I think of it as them. Um, I'll have chat GPT. Um, there's another one that I occasionally um, use. And I can't remember what it's called now. Um, but anyway, that's beside beside the point. It's by the by. Um, I'll occasionally have them write emails for me. And then I'll go, okay, now can you write this email in a little bit more of a sort of, I don't know, colloquial tone or a, a little bit more of a familiar tone, you know, sort of um, tone down the corporate speak and give me something a little bit more familiar or jocular. Yeah. And it's hilarious what AI will come up with. Hilarious, because of course, they have no idea what that actually means. Familiar, colloquial, jock, jock, they don't know what that means. They don't, you know, there's no way, um, except on a very superficial level, that they can actually recreate that. So it's actually quite hilarious what they sometimes, it's, it's just very stilted and very sort of cliched. Um, and that, of course, in a in, in times like these, I just think that, you know, anything that can improve connection, improve communication, improve the clarity and to a degree the intimacy with which we talk to one another, even in a business context, I think that that's got to be a good thing. And that is exactly what stories do. You know, in an, in an age of complete disconnect, yeah. especially where everybody so, is doing everything on social media, you know, to, they're doing everything to get them out there and, and, and to a large degree, very often are just failing because they're not coming across as themselves. I think that is exactly where story comes in and comes into its own. So on, the, on that note about the intimacy and coming across as, as yourself, do you find that your clients may have um, blocks or struggles around, you know, speaking in their own voice and, and being able to share um, at an emotional sort of intimate level? Oh, very definitely. Yes. I mean, there are different kinds of problems that people have with, um, you know, with storytelling. And I'm just having a look here at my notes because it was precisely that that um, I made some notes on last night. 
um, was about um, what are the problems that people actually have around telling their stories. Um, One of the things is that people don't know how to recognize a story. They're like, is that a story? Um, and you know, there, there's two or three very, very simple ways of recognizing whether or not it's a, it's a story. And one of the most powerful, I think, is that people want to know what happens next. Yeah. yeah. Then you've got the basis for a story. Um, so that's one of the things that people struggle with is recognizing whether or not it's a story. A lot of people feel like they don't have a story, which is nonsense because everybody does. You know, it doesn't have to be some huge life-changing incident. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a near-death experience or, you know, uh, some huge revelation that suddenly, you know, um, I mean, it's great for a story if you've got something like that. But of course, not everybody has. But it, you know, that's regardless. Everybody has a story. It's just finding it. It's digging in the right places, uncovering it, and putting together the bits that matter, the bits that are relevant. Yeah, and you know, and leaving aside, you know, because obviously there's a, there's lots of stuff when you're digging around for stories. There's lots of stuff that's completely irrelevant or boring, or you think. People don't really want to know that about me. People don't want to know that, you know, my audience, the people that I want to talk to don't need to know that. But yes, the other thing that I've dis- that I've discovered is that people talk about, yeah, but I don't want to share that. They feel uncomfortable mm. sharing personal stories. Yeah. I say yeah. to people, you know, you need to come across as you. You need to come across as um, people need to know who they're talking to. Yeah. It's the old adage. People don't buy from brands or companies. People buy from people. So it doesn't matter whether you're talking about branding or whether you're talking about your content market. It doesn't matter what you're talking about in, in a marketing context. You know, the more that you can infuse it with yourself, the better. And, um, and I often, find that people are like, people don't want to know that about me. Um, You know, I once had a client who, um, when we were talking about what her stories could be, she had, she, she had something to share that um, it was a moment. And I thought it was an an incredibly um, informative moment because it was a moment when she she was um, she was packing up to leave. She was packing up to go away. She was packing up to go somewhere. And she was completely disorganized and she hadn't been able to get her, her, her stuff together. And um, friends came over and were absolutely aghast at how little she was actually organized and how little she'd managed to get done. And they all mucked in and helped. And she was like, but I don't want to tell people that story. And I'm like, but why not? It's, you know, it's mm. incredibly... Um, you know, you've got these friends who came along and mucked in and helped you. You know, you were worth it to them. They wanted to help you. They all mucked in when it came down to the line. And also, you know, vulnerability isn't something that makes you unsympathetic. 
Or if it does, mm. those aren't the people that you want to work with. Those aren't the people you want to talk to. If you've got vulnerabilities and you're ready to share them, you will find that the right people are attracted to you because it gets your values across. It gets your value as a person across. Um, you know, so when people say, I'm uncomfortable about sharing about this or about that, you know, um, this makes me look like um, a, a flake. This makes me look like um, I don't know what I'm doing. This makes me look like I don't think about other people or, you know, whatever it might be. If you really can't get past that, then fine. I don't want people to step into things that make them deeply uncomfortable. But mm. I think that people need to see the idea of uncovering stuff about themselves from a different perspective. They need to see, you know, that it's getting across who you really are as a person, what you stand for and what's important to you and, you know, uh, where you stand in your life. I think that is, um, you know, that's of huge power and should definitely be included when you're talking about what stories can you tell. Because everybody gets all the stuff about, oh, I've won this award and, you know, I've been so successful and I've done this in just two years, you know, and I'm only 27 and I've already achieved this and that and the other. All of that is great. Yeah. And we get it up to here on social media. But it's the other stuff that really tells people about who we are. It's the stuff that happens in the quiet moments that really tells people about who we are. You know, and I think that people should mm. see that sharing that is, yeah, it's, um, it's, it is, you know, it's, it can be, it can be massively powerful. Especially if you're coaching or, or training or have some sort of thought leadership, because it, it builds that rapport they're able to to connect with you they're able to say you're like me exactly. you know i can relate yeah, to yeah. that um you know they they don't hold you on a pedestal they they begin to believe that if you can do it they can do it and they begin to see what's yes. possible for them through you sharing your story absolutely yeah. yeah yeah it means you know it becomes obvious that you're not as you say on a pedestal you're not um working from an impossibly or, you know, an impossibly advanced or an unattainable advantage. You are in actual fact down there in the dirt, in the bushes with everybody else. You're maybe a few steps ahead. Yeah. And that's yeah. what makes what you've got to share valuable because you have actually been where the people that you're talking to have been. And you know what the next steps need to be and that, you know, because I, I mean, very often I find that when I work with, I worked with a business coach once for a short while. Um, well, I'm saying a short while, it was probably about nine or 10 months. And um, she had, um, she's, she's an American business coach. I had mm. come across her online and then she'd come to London. Um. Uh, to introduce her coaching program. And she was immensely persuasive. She, um, you know, she had a very, very warm human side to her, which spoke to me. And I signed up for her program. Um, and, you know, I will absolutely admit that it did 
teach me a lot. You know, I always say to people, look, you know, I am a journalist by background. I'm not a marketer. Um, although, you know, the, one of the things that she taught me was everybody's a marketer. And especially if you're running a business, if you're a, if you're, if you're running a business like myself, say for, you know, a content creation business, you're a marketer who does content creation. If you're running a, um, you know, a health and fitness business, you're a marketer who does health and fitness. So everybody yeah. is a marketer. And that's what she taught me. She taught me that, you know, don't dismiss the marketing. And I learned loads about marketing, about running a small business. I learned so much from her. But the fact of the matter is that she's a multi-million, you know, her business makes multi-millions. Mm. And there just yeah. came a point where I, I no longer felt that, you know, she inspired me for the first few mm. steps of that journey. She really inspired me because she just had a way of speaking to the problems that I have and the uncertainties that I have. But at some point, I just felt there was no longer any connection there because she was just so far ahead of me. She talked a lot about her first days in business, you know, how she started out how she made her first, I don't know, six-figure year, et cetera, et cetera, what she started out as. She didn't start out as a marketing and business coach. Um, mm. And, you know, and all of that, she was sharing her story. She was telling the story about how she arrived, at, you know, how she ended up on the path that she took. Um, and that really resonated with me. But like I say, um, at some point I just felt like, what she's saying isn't speaking to me any longer because she's speaking from a vantage point that it's just, it seems too far above yeah. me, ahead of me. It seems like, yeah, I'm, I can't aspire to that goal. That's what I was feeling like. And I thought, yeah, this isn't getting me anywhere any longer. I need to try something mm. else. Yeah. Do you find that, uh, there's a, there's sometimes a tendency to use vulnerability the wrong way by oversharing in stories. Mm, that's an interesting one. Um, probably, yes. I think it's definitely possible to strike the wrong note and maybe overshare and maybe... You know, um, I think it all comes down to the motivation of you, the storyteller, what it is that you want yeah. to achieve by sharing this vulnerability, what it is that you want to, you know, if, if you're after, uh, and, and, and this can sometimes happen, you know, this can, people can do this because they, you know, they, they, um, they, they, become so immensely vulnerable that they are, you know, they're willing to go out there and ask people to be, to pity them, to sympathize with them, to um, maybe, you know, reach out and give them some kind of support. And, and that is, you know, I suppose it's valid in a different context, but not in a storytelling for business purposes yeah. context. Um, I think that... Um, the story arc demands that we not only share a dilemma or a crisis, but we also share the resolution of it. 
the yes. overcoming. That is a part yeah. of the story arc. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that needs to be in there. To just go, oh, you know, um, I find things so difficult because. Okay. You might be, you know, if you're doing a crowdfunder or, you know, if you're, um, I don't know, uh, looking for a self-help group or something like that. If you're in a group and you're looking for people who have had similar experiences and might be able to help you by sharing those experiences, fine. But in terms of telling a story in a business context, you need the overcoming. Yeah, you need that arc, which means that, you know, the, the hero, it's the, it's the whole hero's journey thing. Again, you know, the hero's journey yeah. is probably the epitome of archetypes. There's lots of different archetypes, depending on whose theory you look at. It can be anything from three archetypes to, I don't know, I think about 17 is the most I've ever found um, in, in, in the research material. Um, yeah. Stories have lots of different archetypes, but the hero's journey is a fundamental one, which yes. sort of lies underneath a lot of other different types of archetypes. Yeah. And it basically, the hero goes, you know, the hero, he either has a problem or he's asked for help by somebody. He goes on a quest or on a journey um, in search of something. And he, um, he overcomes, he finds the solution, and he returns a changed person. Or he has changed somebody else's life. Whatever, he has found the solution. So he's got a problem, he sets out to overcome it, he overcomes it, and it's resolved. Yeah? That's sort of, that, that basic story arc is, is fundamental. So... Vulnerability, yes, absolutely. And it may be a vulnerability from last week or last month. It doesn't have to be years in the past. But the important yeah. thing is that you can say with absolute conviction, I've moved on from there. This is yes. what I did to overcome it. This is what I did uh, in terms of a solution. And I think that that could help you. Yeah. Um. Just because you've already touched on the, the hero's journey, um, is, is that the main arc or process that you use with your clients or are there others? I think that one of the main sort of patterns that I use with my clients is something else that I touched on just before is the sort of Aesop's fable type of journey. So in a way, right. it can also be said to include that arc. But what it's yeah. about is when you are telling stories that you want to share with your clients, what you want to deliver is some kind of a lesson, a motto, uh, yeah. you know, um, um, trying to think of something off the top of my head here. So, you know. Whether it's something like, you know, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Yeah. Or the grass is yeah. always greener on the other side. Or, you know, those can sound a bit trite when you just put them out there. Like as a fancy quote mm. on a fancy background with a little bit of writing underneath. Great Instagram post. Yeah. 
But if you can tack a story, no matter how small, onto that, it can give it yeah. so much more depth. And that's the kind of thing that Aesop's fables always did. You know, they always yes. told the story, I don't know, about the frog crossing the river on the back of the... No, was it a scorpion on the back of the fox? <laughs> I can't remember. There was yeah, a scorpion, but, yeah. yeah, and he asked, was it a fox? Or something to carry him across the river, and the yeah. uh, the uh, let's go with a fox just for the sake of argument to make it a little bit e easier. And the fox said, um, "You know, uh, um, why would I do that? You've got a vicious sting in your tail. You'll just you you'll sting me." And the the scorpion is like, "Of course I won't. Um, you know, if you're carrying me mm. across the river and I sting you and you go under, I drown. Obviously, I'm not going to do that. You know." Um, so the fox says, well, yeah, I suppose there's something in that. And he lets the fox, he lets the scorpion get on his back and off he paddles across the river, gets the scorpion safely across the river, just as they're climbing the bank at the other side, the scorpion stings him. And as the fox is writhing in unbelievable agony on the ground, he's like, but you promised, you said you wouldn't sting me. And the scorpion is like, well, what do you expect? I'm a scorpion. So it's like, you know. <laughs> the motto is, you know, what what you know, what's in your nature is in your nature. Sometimes you can't go against your own nature. Something along those lines. I'm sure that of those listening, there'll be people who are like, no, that's wrong. It was this and this. And I've probably, yeah, I've yeah. probably got details wrong. But yeah. that's the basic principle. You tell a story like mm. that, it has a little motto, a little sort of, you know. A, a, a handy sort of mini lesson tacked onto it. And if you are trying to get little lessons like that across to your clients, there is nothing that will do it better than a story of that nature. Um, and sometimes, you know, you can, you know, I, I, tell, I tell people in my workshop that there are two fundamental ways that you can construct a story. You can either start with the motto and reverse engineer it, start with the message that you want to get across and reverse engineer it, find something that neatly illustrates that lesson that you want to impart, or something happens where you just go, yes, that is so illustrative. I'm going to use that for this and this purpose. Um, yeah. Once you get into the habit of looking for nuggets like that, it never really leaves you. Um, it's immensely useful. And that is, I think, uh, one of the, probably one of the easiest, the sort of simplest ways. I mean, you can go much deeper into it. And if you're, you know, you can use several stories in one piece. If you're talking about longer form pieces, like blogs, where you're trying to impart quite a bit of information, or, you know, if you're putting together an ebook. You yes. know, you can have story arc after story arc after story arc in there. And, you know, stories can be tiny, tiny little nuggets, or they can be, you know, quite a bit more extensive if you can do it in a way that will carry your listener along with you. Um, that's, but that's probably one of the simplest forms to do it in. Yes, because metaphors um, are transformational. In terms exactly. of they don't, you, you find the meaning yourself. So by reading, 
what the story is. It's actually what you choose it to mean that makes the difference. And um, Milton Erickson, one of the famous therapists, did nothing but use metaphor to cause amazing transformation. Oh, really? His clients. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that, that he's he's one of the 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 people studied vastly in NLP, and and using right. hypnotic language with metaphor just can within a very short piece of time, someone can go from unstuck to absolutely transformed just through wow. reading the words and yes. coming up with their own interpretation and aha moment, if you like, from from reading that piece. Yeah. Or hearing isn't that, that amazing? So, yeah. Isn't yeah. isn't it just amazing what you can actually do just with just with words? Yeah. 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 And if you want to get advanced, you can have a look at embedded metaphors and how that works as well. Oh wow. So you start one story. <laughs> I'm gonna have to have a it, you start another. Yeah. It's quite powerful. Yeah, yeah. 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 That is actually um that's a really um that's really interesting. I am actually gonna have a look at that. Um, to prepare my next workshop because I'm quite sure that there are, you know, there are obvious ways that you can use story, but there are more subtle ways that you can use story as well. And I, I mean, I've always, like I say, for a long time now, I've thought I should have a closer look at NLP and I'm getting more and more sure of it. <laughs> but because it works so much with the unconscious mind and how our brain works, it's, yeah. uh, it can be very yeah. powerful, especially if you there's two ways of looking at it one you know how it works in terms of influence and the so that you can use it to influence but at the same time being aware of it and seeing how you are influenced because every mp out there is nlp trained <laughs> and uses yeah. language to influence so. yeah 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 absolutely yeah <laughs> so it can be used for good but also but not so like good. Everything. <laughs> like everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, getting back to story and content and content for business, how many stories do you, um, do you sort of teach everyone that almost every piece of content should really have that story, even if it's a short three-line story, that it has that? flavor of story about it to to create engagement and connection um i wouldn't say no i wouldn't say every piece of content needs to have a story in it um but i mean i think that is something that can be left entirely up to personal preference i would say definitely it needs to be used more by a lot of people than it is being used, for sure. I mean, there are people out there um, that I follow on LinkedIn who never tell a story ever. Um, you know, and I often come across sort of things that they share. Although, you know, I think in a way, especially if we're willing to sort of talk about uh I don't know, personal experiences, you know, there, there are a lot of people who, you know, I, I'm not telling anybody anything new when I say, you know, you need to share more about yourself. 
And yeah. it's you that, you know, that is going to make the difference in your business. It's you that people are going to be re relate to, not your, yeah. not your slogan or whatever. You know, it's not your slogan alone that makes the difference. No, it's the um, I can trust, isn't it? So. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it, it's not like I'm teaching people something incredibly groundbreaking when I say, you know, share stuff about yourself and your experiences. And people do tend to do so. I, a lot of people on, um, on LinkedIn, they will, you know, quite often when they post something, they say, well, this and this happened to me. But I feel like it could be, you know, I feel number one, the language that you use when you're sharing these stories could be more evocative. Yeah. The structures that you use to get your audience thinking that key phrase, what happens next? Um, you know, you need to bear that in mind and, and you need to have sort of like, you know, if you use the story arc in it, if you use one of the many sort of mini story templates that are available in it, it is going to have a mm. bigger effect than if you just go, oh my God, you've got no idea what happened to me the other day. That will get people yeah. so far and it will certainly get people interested, but you know, you can make that connection stronger if you then offer a resolution or a surprising insight or, you know, something mm. along those lines. So it can often, if you're aware that what you're doing is telling stories, you can do it more effectively. And, you know, I mean, people often write blogs purely for information services uh, uh, purposes. You know, it'll be like, you know, um, five ways to tell the difference between content and copy for example, or, you know, three ways to make sure that you stick to that diet, whatever it might be. And so then that is exactly what that's going to do. You could tack on a story at the beginning and, you know, um, like, for example, client stories are incredibly powerful in that kind of context. Mm. You tell a client story, you say, you know, I, 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 you know, you tell a client story, you say, this is what happened to my client. This is the incredible result they had. How did they get that result? Well, let me tell you. It's because they stuck to my three ways to, and this is what I told them to do, and that is how they got. Yeah. So you can use a client story in that context, for example. That would be powerful. But I don't think it's a must that you tell a story in every situation. Uh, mm. I think it has a lot to do with what it is that you want to achieve with the piece of content, you know. Yes. And obviously, any content writer, any copywriter will tell you, you know, the one thing that you need to have in your head before you even start writing a piece of content is what you want to achieve with it, what you want people to get, get people to do with it, or, you know, the lesson that you want to teach with it. So sometimes it can be, you know, purely informative and that's fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think um, there are definitely lots and lots of opportunities for people to use stories more and more consciously. You know, yeah. I think that's the, yes. I think that's the key thing, knowing that you're telling a story and, you know, wanting to connect with a person on that basis. So if someone's approaching using story 
telling for the first time within their business. What are the, say, basic three tips you would give, the most important three tips you would give them? Oh, now this is vastly unfair. You should have prepared me for this question. (laughs) Didn't tell me you were going to ask me that question. (laughs) Oh, let me think. The basic three tips that I would give somebody approaching storytelling. Number one would be to have some form of note-taking with you at all times. So whether it's the old-fashioned way with a pen and notebook or whether it's a voice app on your phone, um, have some means of jotting down because something can happen and you can think to yourself, oh my God, that would be so great on Instagram or my next LinkedIn post has got to include that because that illustrates exactly what it is I'm talking to my clients about at the moment. And you can think to yourself, I've got to remember that. Got to remember. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. You won't. You will not. Yeah? Yeah. Have note-taking tools with you available at all times. I'm the old-fashioned type and tends to use a notebook. Um, And I have probably down here on my shelves six different notebooks at any given given time. Um, but, you know, I know where everything is, so, you know, that's fine. <laughs> you do you, you do whatever, you use whatever suits you best. Yeah. Um, one of my daughters has um, a note-taking app on her phone, and I think she has something like 780-odd notes on there at any given time. Every now and again, she goes back and she deletes a load, but she has hundreds of notes on her note-taking app. But she knows what's there and she knows where to look for, you know. So it's whatever suits you best. Um, Tip two, I would say, would be to to keep a swipe file. I've talked about swipe files before in, um, I've done a blog about it. I've done posts about it in the past. Um... Swipe or don't swipe is what I always think of when I talk about swipe files. That's Dora the Explorer for anybody whose kids never went through that phase <laughs> or whatever. Um, <laughs> swipe files basically are files. It, again, it can be in a physical um, variation, a physical variation or a, um, a digital variation where you keep stuff that inspires you. Yeah. And this can be stuff about stories. This can be nuggets of stories that other people have told them, uh, that have told. It can be images that make you think of something. It can be um, quotations that you might use to build a story around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Whatever it might be. Obviously, you know, you don't like, um, for example, just yesterday, I... um, I came across a, um, it, was a, it was a newsletter on LinkedIn and it was from a, um, a lady who does, uh, who uh, trains people who want to do public speaking. And she had explained why telling your story 
is so immensely powerful when you are doing a presentation on stage. What she wrote resonated with me so deeply that I copied the entire thing and put it on a document ready to go in my swipe file. Obviously, I would never, ever quote that verbatim and pretend I'd come up with it. You don't do that. That's plagiarism. We don't do that. But if it inspires you and if it can help you to come up with something that would be immensely useful for you to develop your ideas, or you can use quotations out of it to illustrate something that you're writing, then, you know, that's what that's there for. Um, So a swipe file is something that's immensely useful. That's only two so far, isn't it? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Number three. I can't think of a third one. You're going to have to do with two for now. I'm sorry. Okay. No, that's, that's absolutely fine. Um, so we're coming to the, the top of the, the hour, and it has been very fascinating and interesting. Um, I love this subject. I love language. I love stories myself. So um, it's been very, yeah. very powerful. So many people do, is there any, which is what makes it is so there any, rewarding to talk about. Any part, parting and port? Sorry, is there any parting thought that you want to, to finish with? Um, I think I just really, really would like to encourage people to, um, you know, to, if they've, if they've, I would say if you have any questions or concerns or there's anything that has raised a question with you and hasn't answered it in this, you know, in this, in this, um, session between us in this, in this conversation we've had, then to just get in touch. I'm sure you'll be sharing my details where people can get in touch with me. And I'm always um, happy. That was my next question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I so, would yes, hate I'll, I'll to think that people in... have questions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'll put so all any of your questions links that in remain unanswered. Notes. Yeah. Great. So people can Great. contact you. Um, in general, what's your? Have you a website that they can go to and find out more about your courses or anything? I do have. Yes, yeah. Um, I don't have. Um, I, I recently had to redo my website. I had a, a slightly unpleasant experience with my website. I had to. It got taken down because uh, I was told after the web's website had been up and running for quite some time that it didn't actually belong to me. <clears throat> Although thankfully the domain name is mine, but the website I was told didn't be actually belong to me. So um, uh, when I discovered that there were changes I wanted to make that um, were going to cost me more than I was prepared for, um, despite the fact that you know I'd already invested quite a, a sizable amount of money. Well, it's a, it's a, an unedifying and not a particularly interesting story for once. <laughs> um, but anyway, I lost. The website had to redo it. So the the one I've redone is a little bit bare bones. Um, The best thing that people can do if they want to hear more about the ways I can work with them or if they just want to have a chat. Like I say, if there's any questions I've left unanswered where they're thinking, hang on, you know, I'd really like to know a little bit more about that. Then um, uh, is to um, go to either my uh, to any one of my social media I mainly do LinkedIn and I do a little bit um, sporadically on Instagram so they could go there and look for my Calendly link Um, 
or I will make it available to you to share in the show notes. So it's the best Brilliant. thing to yeah. do is to get my on my uh, Calendly and, um, you know, um, carve out 20 or 30 minutes just for, a, just for a chat. I'm always happy to chat with, you know, it will not be a sales call. It will just be a chat. Um, although obviously if anybody wants to know more about what I offer, <laughs> then I'll tell them that. But, you know. I think that's probably the best way to get in touch at the moment. But if they would like to go on the Brick, on the brick House website, it's brick-house.uk, um, okay. then they're welcome to go and take a look at what's on there. Okay, brilliant. I'll put everything in the show notes. And, and thank you so much. It's been really enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. For now. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. If you enjoyed it or think it would be valuable to others, please do share. And if you really enjoyed it, please leave me a review. It really helps the podcast. All of the links are in the show notes. And I look forward to seeing you next week on the Choosing Happy podcast. <laughs>